John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, doesn't that, remember, doesn't that remind you of something that Jesus said to his disciples when he rose from the dead? As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And here, before he dies, before he rises, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And let's just remain on that verse for a second. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Let it soak in. Jesus loves us. And we know the song. Can we sing it together? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves us. Yes, Jesus loves us. The Bible tells us so. That's a different version. That's the collective version. We know the song. We sing it. We sing it to our children. It is the most basic Christian doctrine there is that Jesus loves you. He loves me. He loves us. Jesus loves the world, the world that he created, the crown of his creation, humanity. He loves, he loves us so much that he wanted to be with us. So he took our form. He took on a body. And Isaiah says he also took up our infirmities, our sicknesses. He carried our sorrows. Is there any other God like that? No. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. So we crucified him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his one and only son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. How does Jesus love us? Well, as the Father loves him. And what's that look like? The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Here's some more. 520. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. 1017. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay my life down only to take it up again. 1421. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. 1423. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. In verse 24, he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. In 16, 27, 28. No, the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the father. There is this giving and receiving this entire connectedness that God has given himself in his own self, father, son, spirit, but also extended to us. And in theology, we have what's called Trinity. You'll never find the word Trinity in your Bible. It's not there. But father, son, and Holy Spirit are all there. And this is Rublev's icon, this classic icon of the triune God together in community. And another Greek word that's used to describe the Trinity is perichoresis. Can you say perichoresis? 
yeah, there you go. Para means around, Korea means to dance, and there's like a little image of God dancing with himself, each other, Father, Son, Spirit. There is this interpenetration, a giving and receiving, and I can't describe this in an image other than these types of things. This is the eternal dance, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fellowship of reciprocal love, delight, and harmony, one being union with distinction. And really, we have that kind of in our families. We're one family, yet we're all distinct individuals. And there's some, another piece of art. You guys like to see some art? There you go. Perichoresis. But more than just visuals, I want to give you the audio of God. At least this is what I think God sounds like. You can watch it too. That's supposed to be connected to the speakers. Let me do this. Oh, now it's now it wants to connect. There we go. The reason why it's not working on here is because we're casting here all the technological stuff, and I could not get it to play up here in the speakers and also on the TV. So I have to do something different. I'm not that smart. All right, we, hopefully this will work. That's not working either. I'm just gonna do this. I know. in that piece of music and also the constant tonic, the hum, all throughout. And God is like that. He moves and dances, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect union, yet distinction. And he wants to include us in this wonderful dance. And this love is extended to us in order to include us in God's unity and to inform us how to love. God knows how to love. And to also form us to love as God loves. 
Now, I'm not a good dancer and I don't even care to learn to dance, but I'll learn this dance because this is the dance that gives me life. A dancing of learning to love how God loves. And I'm, it's a lifelong journey, isn't it? You never really fully arrive because as soon as you feel like you fully arrive, you discover that there's more. The depth of God's love is eternal. There's always more. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. How can we remain in God's love if he weren't alive? He says that before he died, abide in my love, abide in me. I will abide in you, you will bear much fruit. If Jesus died and stayed dead, how could this even be possible? But the fact is that he rose from the dead. He is the living God, the living Christ whose death was not the end, but whose resurrection allows the ability for us to abide in him, the true vine, and be in union with he and the gardener who tends the vine. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, what is it? Complete. The Greek word here is plerao, which means perfect. It means whole, not lacking anything. Your joy may be complete. How great is that joy? And our culture is a culture that seeks happiness as its greatest good. And it will tell you that to sacrifice people in your life in order for your own happiness. And Jesus is different. He says that your joy is found in me and it may be complete. And he teaches us how to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of the other. And in that we find joy. Happiness is a feeling that comes and goes, but joy is a state of being. And could the key for a happy life be to obeying, be obeying Christ's commands? Could, it, could the key to having a happy life be obeying Christ's commands? Could it be abiding in his love? If you want to be whole, if you want to be complete, and obey Christ's commands to love one another. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, does this sound familiar? What does it remind you of? The greatest commandment. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? The guy says, and Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Of course, in Matthew, it doesn't say strength. That's in Mark. But this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when you think love your neighbor as yourself, love one another, that kind of sounds familiar. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if this is the greatest, then why a new one or why an extra one, Jesus? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Why do you need to do something new? Let's go to the previous chapter. Of two chapters back, 13. Jesus said this, a new command I give you, love one another. So this is a new command. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. 
And by this, all men, all humanity will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what's going on? Loving one another is not new or is it? This is an old engagement ring. It's not mine. It's not anybody as I know. But I had a friend in seminary and his name is Jeremy. And his mom had an engagement ring which she gave, she gave to her son. Happy Mother's Day. Here's my Mother's Day story. So she gave it to her son, not just for, for him to wear it. But why? Because he was getting married to a wonderful young lady. And she said, I want your wife to have my ring. And so she gave, them the, gave him this old ring. And he went to go get it resized at a jeweler that I will not name because there's a, there's a lawsuit. And that jeweler company, which is a very common jeweler, you can probably guess it, lost his mother's diamond. Lost it. A precious stone in the family, completely gone. And he had to get a new ring. Well, thankfully, they, they still had um, the band. I think they still had the band. An old ring to be given to a new relationship. Not really out with the old, in with the new, but keep the old and also bring it into a new relationship. A new, this ring was new to his fiance, and he gave her the ring. And if it would have been the old stone, it still would have been a new ring, but here it was entirely new. And this is how God's love is within himself, this old ancient love that was there before the beginning of creation, breaking into our creation and bringing about a new creation through God's people, his holy people called the church. This ancient love extended to the world. It is a new command. Yet it is an old command. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, since you have heard, since, which you have heard since the beginning. And then later on, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a what? He's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God, this ancient love, must also love his brother, this new love. Which means if I do not love a fellow Christian, a brother or sister in Christ, then I am living in darkness. Meaning I am choosing to deny the full blessing of the gospel. And I'm not allowing the love of Christ to dwell within me, which really is what it means to be a Christian. Let the love of Christ dwell in you richly. It means I'm not allowing Christ to take residence in my life. And what did Jesus do? What is what's the purpose of the Son? To be sent into the world to live in us ultimately and send us out to be his hands and feet. He gives us a new community, a new command for a new community 
birthed out of an old command to love. Jesus is giving this new command, not an old one. He's explaining a new reality. And the reality is this. There's a new family, and God is father to all. He's the head of the household, and he's the rightful recipient of our worship and devotion. And the family of God is made up of followers of Jesus, his disciples, his heirs of the kingdom, his children. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. We'll pause right there. The sacrificial death of Jesus provides the example of how to love. And his death also creates the community in which we are to love one another. Meaning God sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus created the new community through his death and resurrection. And because of it, forgiveness of sins are possible. What ruins relationship? It's sin. And what heals relationship? Forgiveness of sins. So forgiveness of sins is possible because of Jesus. What separated us from the family of God? It's our sin. And he's the one who restores us. So the first order of business for Jesus was to destroy the power of sin and death. And he did it through his death and resurrection. And we have no participation in Christ's resurrection until we participate with him in his death. That's why we baptize new believers. And participation in his death includes being forgiven of our sins as well as forgiving the sins of others. There's no way around it. If you love God, you must also love your brother and sister. Hence, being restored into right relationship with God includes being restored into right relationship with others. And after his resurrection and before his ascension, Jesus then commands us to make disciples of all nations, never intending it to be a militaristic advancement of force, but rather like yeast in dough or like seeds scattered in a field, the kingdom of God advances through the palpable presence of of Christ's love for the world through his redeemed people, the church. And the defining characteristic of disciples are the ones who love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Excuse me, my mic's annoying me. Fruit that will last. And then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Now here's my big beef with this. Is it okay to have beef with scripture? This is what rubs me the wrong way. How is it possible to teach others to love like Christ? 
It's tough. It's hard work. Unless the person just naturally loves. Right? How can you teach a rebellious person, one who hates people, one who's maybe uh, wicked in so many ways, how can you teach them to love if they were not first loved by their family? Maybe parents who abused them or beat them or, or treated them in a way that, which was inhumane. And so I asked the question, God, how can, we, how can someone love who's been verbally and physically abused? How can they trust? And the answer is it, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. It's fully impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But yet, let's not discount and minimize the value of a mother and father who love their children and nurture them and shape them and raise them to be people who love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as they love themselves. And I'm so thankful for my mom who taught me that. I'm still learning and growing in that. And as I have my own kids now, I see Brianna doing that with our children and, and of course I'm doing that as well with her. Um, but some days I'm just so amazed at her patience and her gentleness toward our children. That's not a silhouette of my wife. That's just some lady. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Represents all mothers. Parents have the greatest opportunity with their kids. Why? It's because they have God-ordained responsibility. They have God-ordained authority in their lives. Which is re the reason why one of the Ten Commandments is obey your parents. And also parents have lots and lots of time with their kids. More than the church ever could. Parents are connected physically and emotionally and spiritually to their kids in ways that the church could never be connected at such a young age nor should it be. In other words, the church can never replace the place of parents. However, the parents are to be enfolded into the body of Christ. They participate in this beautiful dance, the perichoresis of the Trinity. And yet we do have this church family where Jesus teaches us to walk with him and love. The church family is the extended family. And the church takes a lot more than just uh, getting together every once in a while, a few times a month. It takes deep interpersonal connection which means YouTube, Facebook, and Zoom could never replace being together in person. The social media and the, the technology that we have are the spare tire that we use during the pandemic. It's helpful to get us through a season, but these will never take the place 
of the living of living as the body of Christ. Praise be to God. And the church has responsibility, but really you only have so much responsibility as you and I take up upon ourselves. Sometimes we place too much responsibility on ourselves. Sometimes we don't place enough responsibility on ourselves. And those who have responsibility ought to learn how to give up some responsibilities. And those who don't take any responsibility need to learn to pick up responsibility. That's what it means to be part of a family. In the church, there's not as much time as what a family has. So there needs to be prioritizing and cutting out other stuff. Maybe getting up earlier or staying up later finding times to combine things, to do life in ways that are creative so that we can come to a place where we actually desire to see each other thrive in our relationship with God. We need each other. And really, we come to a humble place where we realize we can't make each other thrive, but it rather takes a giving and receiving. It takes two to tango, right? Maybe three or maybe a four. It takes a giving and receiving, an entering and a welcoming, and a sending and returning, this delicate dance which the Lord is teaching us. And the Lord invites us into this dance of loving one another and providing for each other. There's a guy named Jack Deere, not John Deere, Jack Deere. He's an author and a pastor, and he says, there's a lot of people who bash the church, but not me. Nope, not me. He tells a story that he said, my son committed suicide, and I was devastated. My life was shattered, and it was the church, the body of Christ, who surrounded me and offered me life in the midst of my sorrows. He said, so much so that one family in the church even gave us their house so that all of our extended family could be together and mourn together. This is a type of love that is a genuine, uh, self-giving love. And, and I'm thankful for those of you who love others like that. Thank you, Dorothy. Loving one another takes life. And I mean that in both ways. Loving one another takes life. You give away your life and as you love each other, you'll probably take away your life. You lose your life loving one another. And really, what better way is there to spend life than loving the body of Christ? There's no better way to spend your life. In 2013, I'm going to name some names. And as I name these names, you, some of you are going to be like, I have no clue who that is. For some of you, you may, you, have, may all have, you may have some sort of memory come up or all sorts of memories come up. 2013, this is all since I've been here, David Bloomfield died. In 2014... Joey Petty died. In 2015, Bill Trimble died. In 2016, 
Isaiah, Isaiah Rodriguez and Miriam Over died. In 2017, Patricia Alming and Betty Cooper died. In 2018, Guy Huter and Frank Parsons died. Oddly enough, nobody died in 2019. Nobody in our church. In 2020, David Carney died. In 2021, Preston Heitzman died. And I say that to remind you that there are people in our lives who go and be with the Lord, but also there are people who we give our lives to and who have given their lives to us. And we thank God for them. But I also say this to remind you that someday you and I will die unless the Lord returns. Life is short. There's a virus going around killing a lot of people. People die in car accidents like crazy. There's gun violence. Life is short. Life is precious. And there's only so much time that we have with each other. And there are also only so many people you can give your life to. So I just want to encourage you, not bring you down, encourage you. This summer is an opportunity to love one another well. As we're outside This summer is an opportunity to get to know somebody that you may not know well and become a closer member of the body of Christ together. We have an opportunity to dance with the Lord, giving and receiving, entering and welcoming, sending and returning alongside each other. For the good of each other, but also for the good of our broader community that they may find life in our community, the community of God, and they may find family in this community. To the glory of God the Father, amen. Jesus, we recognize that you are the one. Without you, we have no life in us. But with you, we have complete life and complete joy. Help us to love each other. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.